tonight we're going to look back in the book of Revelation, chapter number two, and do covet your prayers and ask that you pray for us tonight as we attempt to preach. And I'm sure I've enjoyed so far these days in Revelation. And and uh, if there's ever been a time that God's people need to be familiar with this book, it's right now. And um, even though what we see happening in the world it, it troubles us on one hand. It comforts us on the other because we know that it, this is exactly what the Lord has said would happen. And uh, tonight we're going to be looking here at the church at Smyrna. And uh, I pray that there'll be a blessing to you tonight and uh, a help. The Bible says this in chapter 2 and verse 8. The Bible says unto the angel of the church in Smyrna, right? These things saith the first and the last, which was dead... And is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death. And I'll give thee a crown of life. He that hath ear an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Father, we pray tonight that you'd help us. Lord, you know, Lord, um, that I'm not able to do this without you. But Lord, you also know that I don't want to do this without you. I need your help. And I pray, Lord, that as you have done in days gone by, that once again, Lord, you'd open the windows of heaven and you'd speak to me and you'd speak through me as I try to stand before this thy people, Lord, and give them the word of God. I pray tonight that I would not attempt to preach my message, but Lord, I'd simply relay the message that you've given us in this book. And I pray tonight that you'd encourage and help us, challenge us, strengthen us, and for that one that may be here lost and undone, I pray that you would take the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. And Lord, you would pierce their heart tonight. And Lord, you would bring them to that place of faith and repentance where they can be born again. Lord, whatever takes place and whatever is accomplished tonight, I'll give you all the honor and glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, I want you to look here in these verses and... I want you to notice something with me in verse number 9. The Bible says this, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but then what does it say? But thou art rich. I know you say, which one was it? It was both. It was both. On this side, they were poor, but on heaven's side, they were rich. And I want to preach tonight on the poor, little, rich church. Amen. That's a mouthful, ain't it? This was a poor, little, rich church. In fact, if it wasn't for this letter that God told uh, uh, the Apostle John to write to the angel, and by the way, that angel is not speaking about a Gabriel or a Michael. It's talking about the pastor, amen, the messenger. The word angel means messenger. And we know there's angelic hosts. We know there's heavenly angels. But did you know you've got an angel here before you? Isn't that something? I've been called a lot of things. They've been called an angel. 
I want you to know this. It doesn't say unto the angels of the church at Smyrna, but unto the angel. Single, amen. There's this trend going on now where they've got this, they call it the, what is it, plurality of bishops and, not, and they have multiple pastors in the church. I always was told that anything with more than one head is a monster. And, and you know, and I believe uh, the local church is to have a pastor. And uh, <laughs> anyhow, but I want to preach on this poor little church. We would never have heard of it if it wasn't for this letter. We never would have known of it. This was not a church that accomplished any great feats. This is not a church that was known for its evangelism and its missionary work. Uh, we, 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 there, there's very little we know about this church other than the fact that it is one of only two of the seven churches that did not receive rebuke from the Lord Jesus Christ. All I, want, all I know, well, all we know about Smyrna is that when Jesus looked at this poor little rich church, he was pleased in what he saw. Now, when we study these churches, I didn't really say last or get into it last week. I'm just going to give you this and, and we're going to move on. But if you study these seven churches, remember in Revelation chapter 1, we said the whole book of Revelation uh, is outlined in three parts. The things he said that, the, he said, I want you to write. The things which you have seen in the past, the things which are, and the, and the things which soon shall be. And so, not only do these churches, were these literal churches in, in this day and time, but I believe each one of them is picture, it's, a, it's, it's, it's symbolic of different periods in church history. Now, if you study the church at Ephesus, the name Ephesus means desirable. And it speaks of that first period of the church when out of Pentecost, who would not desire to have been in the church in that day and time? It was that apostolic age where miracles were happening and, and, and great things, the Bible was being given. And I mean, it was an exciting time. And just like if you study church history, that went on till about AD 100, 120. And, and like the letter to the church at Ephesus, how, what did he warn them? He said, if you don't repent, he said, I'll come quickly and I'll take the candlestick out from among you. You know what happened during that time frame? The candlestick was gone. And what that led to was a time of intense persecution, which is illustrated by the church at Smyrna. You know what Smyrna means? It means myrrh. Myrrh. And you know what myrrh is? It's that fragrance, that, that perfume, that ointment that comes from the crushing of that myrrh tree. And you see, it was a time Smyrna was a church that was under persecution. And listen, I read this. One man said that this was a church under fire. This church, listen, this church had the windows of heaven open on it. God was blessing it. God was uh, meeting their needs. God was doing great things. And the devil did not like it. Leonard Ravenhill said this. He said, when God opens the windows of heaven to bless us, the devil, the devil will open the doors of hell to blast us. Is that not true in our lives? When God begins to bless us, what happens? The devil will open the gates of hell and, and will turn loose his devils on us and will torment us in our lives. 
So I said that this church, this church is symbolic. Again, I said it before. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to repeat myself a lot. Maybe you won't forget. But I also believe that if you look at these seven churches, that you'll find that there's these types of members in each church. There's people here tonight that you're suffering for your faith. Like Smyrna. You're suffering. You're under pressure. Because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's some that their spouse is an unbeliever. Or maybe it's a job where you work. The environment's an ungodly and a wicked environment. Or maybe it's these children that are going to school and trying to live for God and be a testimony. And they've got friends that and, and, and classmates that are living wrong and, and, and make fun and make light. I want to say tonight that God, the Lord, had a word for this poor little rich church so I want us to look at it tonight and see how we can be helped from the word of the Lord I want you to notice first of all the Bible says this these things saith the first and the last which was dead and is alive I just want you to notice these first two words in the next verse I know I know the first thing I want us to know tonight about this poor little rich church, I want you to see the Savior, how the Savior reassured them. This church was going through, I mean, and, and if you'll read this, it says on down in verse uh, number uh, verse number 9, uh, it says the synagogue of Satan. And then in verse number 10, it says the devil shall cast some of you into prison. Let me tell you, they were going through a, a literal hell on earth. The devil himself was casting them in prison. He was persecuting them. He was oppressing them. And Jesus said, I want to give you a word of reassurance. I want you to know that even though you feel, you feel alone and you feel afraid, I'm still here. I'm still for you. I still want to see you do well. It's a blessing to know tonight that the Lord is on our side. Christ, listen, Christ is the head of the church. Amen. And let me tell you something, not only that, he, He's the head of the church. He's the one that has preeminence in the church. He's the Lord of the church. He's the lover of the church, amen. He loved the church and gave Himself for it. And we need to know that even though we're living in times where the church is not loved and, and admired on earth, it's still loved and admired in heaven. I don't know what all is going on in the world right now at this moment. But I know this, you know what the Lord's focused on? He's focused on what's going on right here. The Savior that was reassuring. Look what He told them. He says this, These things saith the first and the last. The first thing He reassures them is this, He reminds them that He is all in all. Amen. He said, this, he said, I want to remind you who I am. And let me say this, what helps us most in times of sorrow and times of suffering is if we're reminded of who He is. I mean, these people were living in a town. Uh, you can study the city of Smyrna. Today, it's still a city. It's called Izmir or Izmar or Izmir or Izmir. I can't pronounce it, but it's in Turkey. It's still a city. It was one of the three crown jewels of Asia Minor. Oh, 
Over 300,000 people lived there. Uh, it was the apple of the Roman Empire's eye. Uh, they it had a broad and advanced uh, a road system. Uh, they said, I don't know how it works, but they said every road would bend at a 90 degree angle and they all met up in a mid intersection where they had a temple there. And there, not only they didn't have one temple, uh, they had many temples and they were all built uh, to the Greek gods. There was a mountain there and their Greek mythology taught them uh, that on that mountain was where Zeus was. Uh, the God, the little G God of all the other little G gods. And these people were pagan. Uh, these people were worldly. And these people hated the church. Uh, but Jesus said, I want you to know uh, the one you serve, he's all in all. He's the first and the last. He'll always be here for you. Bible said in Colossians 1, He is before all, before all things, and by Him all things consist. I want to say not only is He before all things, He's going to be after all things. He's God's first word, and He's God's full word, but He's also God's final word. God has nothing more to say to this world than what He has said by His Son, Jesus Christ. People want to debate. People want to, they want to, they, you understand, uh, they, they want to put God on trial. And they want God to say something. They want God to do something. I want to say this. God's already said and God's already done everything He's going to say and everything He's going to do for this world. God has been silent to this world for 2,000 years. Don't believe what you see on television and these false prophets that say God showed them something or God, if He shows me anything, it's from the Holy Word of God. If, if I see anything from God, it's right here on black and white in my Bible, amen? But I want to say Jesus is all in all. He's the first. Do you know what these people, they experienced? These Roman emperors. They had some bad ones. Y'all heard of Nero? You know, you ever heard about Nero? By time, listen, Nero was a wicked man. I, I had it written down, but I didn't want to read all about him. He killed his own mother. Then he killed his wife. Before, well, he was married at 14 and killed his wife before by he was 16. He killed his brother so he could marry her wife. At 31 years old, he killed himself. And that was who was about to come. These poor Christians lived in this city. And I know I, we don't like, I, I mean, I, don't, I shouldn't say that. I'm not pleased with who rules our nation right now. But I want you to know, as goofy as he is, he's no Nero. On his worst day. He cannot come close. I'm not, I'm not commending him. I'm not defending him. I'm simply saying this. These poor Christians, can you imagine when they heard that Nero died and they thought, oh man, maybe we'll have a good emperor. Maybe, maybe there'll be somebody that'll come up who will have sympathy for us, who will have compassion on us. And Brother Aaron, there'd be another one and he would be just, just as bad. And there'd be another one and he'd be just as bad. And I think when Jesus said this to them, he said one day they're going to be done. Amen. Hey, one day they're all going to be done. But I'll still be here and I'll always be here. He is all in all. For some reason America, we have this Americans, we've developed this superiority complex. And I, you know, I mean, I, I, so, you know, I, I don't know what exactly how to blame it, but or how to, where to, what the, how to reason it, but we think for some reason that we're just the cream of the crop and that, that, not, that, that somehow that we've got, you know, that we're above other, uh, the problems these other countries have. 
I want you to know this, this, this evening that America is not the first or the last. Jesus is. Amen. And one day them stars and stripes may be taken down. One day the White House may crumble. One day the Pentagon, uh, even though our poor president doesn't even know what it's called, the Pentagon, uh, it may fall and our Navy may be overtaken and the planes may be destroyed and the soldiers may be dismantled. Thank God Jesus will still be Jesus. Amen. He is all in all. Verse 80 says this, First and last, which was dead and is alive. He didn't only tell them or reassure them by telling them he was all in all. But he said he, not only that, he reassured them by reminding them that he was alive. Amen. He had been in heaven for some time, over 50 years now. He said, I just want to remind you all something. I'm alive. I'm alive. And I want to say that tonight he's still alive. He's still alive. And he's doing well. Thank God he's not aged one day. He, listen, he, right now, this, this evening, I, I mean, by faith, we have to take and believe by faith and, and, and walk by faith and live by faith. But I'm telling you, by faith tonight, if we could, with, with the eye of faith, if we could look beyond the starry skies and see into the portals of glory, we would see the Son of God is alive and well in heaven. He's alive. Verse 9, he said, I know. He reassured them by letting them know that he was all in all. But he reassured them by letting them know he was alive. But then he done this. He reassured them by letting them know that he was aware. He said, I know. You see, distance is no challenge to the Lord. Because Brother David, not only is he there, he's here. You know, this poor church, this, this poor little rich church, they had to think, does anybody know what we're going through? Does anybody, where this place was, it was kind of an isolated place there. And, and as far, there weren't many churches, if any others, than this one. And it wasn't a place where there were multiple churches. and It was just kind of an isolated place. And Jesus wrote them. He said, I want you to know that I'm not only alive. He says, but I'm aware. I know. I know what you're going through. I know what you're dealing with. I know the tears that you're shedding. I know that you're heart's breaking. I know I am aware of your situation. That ought to reassure us tonight that Jesus has not turned a blinded eye to us and to our church. He's aware. He's aware. And by the way, we don't have to tell him how hard it is or how bad it is. He knows. He said, I'm aware. Look at this. He was aware of their work. It says in verse 9, I know thy works. I know thy works. He said, I see you. I see what you're doing. I see you when you open them doors and you have to hide. And, and, and listen, this is something that's, that for us right now, it's something that we're totally, um, un, we, we have no con- consciousness of, of what this is like. But did you know right now, in the world right now, there are churches that are going through exactly what the church of Smyrna was. 
In places like China and Cambodia and other places, they are in fear of their life. They have to hide. When they open the doors, they don't just swing them open and stand on the front porch. They have to meet secretly and they have to meet privately. And listen, and listen, it blesses my heart to know that Jesus said, I see your, I know your words. And here they were, just a little poor at church gathering. And he said, I see you when you're faithfully assembling together and you're reading the word of God and you're witnessing and you're winning souls and you're still doing what I've asked you to do even though it's not easy. Many people will work for the Lord when it's convenient. But this was an inconvenient time. He said, I know your works. Verse 9, he says this, I know thy works in tribulation. He knew not only their works, but he was aware of their woes. Tribulation. Tribulation. They were suffering. One of the definitions of tribulation is pressure. Pressure. They were under intense pressure. He said, I not only do I know your works, but I know your woes. I know, I know the battles you're fighting. I know the problems you're dealing with. He said, I want you to be, I want you to know that I know what you're going through. He was away, he was aware of their wants. It says this in poverty. In poverty. You know what that word poverty means? It means to be a beggar. A beggar. These people, you know, <laughs> none of us are really poor. Really, if you look at the world, and we're all rich compared to what people in other parts of the world. But these people were having to beg. Beg. He said, I want you to know I'm aware of it. I want you to know I'm aware of it. And listen to me tonight. It's not a sin to have money. It's a sin for money to have you. And let me say this tonight. Jesus said this. He says, the poor you'll have always with you. They can create all the programs they want to try to abolish poverty. And you know, I seen the other day that old Bernie and, and that woman that claimed to be an Indian, but she's only like 5% Indian. I don't remember her name. She was up there. And old Michael Meyer, he was up there. And they, they had a panel. I wish I could remember her name. Donald Trump called her Pocahontas. I can't remember what her real name is. But they had a panel. And they were discussing uh, wealth equality. And one man took that picture of them and he put over Michael Meyer, $31 million. Bernie Sanders, $62 million. And, and the other one was like $48 million. And, 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 the, and, the, and the guy said this. He said, if you want us to do it, then why don't you lead by example? They do not want wealth equality. If they did, they'd be giving their money away. They want to give our money away, but not their money away. But listen, I don't know where that come from, but it had something to do with this about poverty. He said, I know your, I know your wants. But then he says this, but thou art rich. He said, I'm aware of your wealth. Can you imagine as they read this? They said, now, uh, preacher, can you go back to the first eight and, and remind, me, remind us what church you was writing this to? And he went back and said, it says Smyrna. Were you sure he's not taking the... Now, I hate to get him ahead of myself, but you know the church led to see it. They claimed they were rich, but they were really poor. This church thought they was poor, but they was really rich. And listen, he told them, he said, listen, what he was telling them is, y'all can't see it right now, but I'm up here in heaven. 
and you've got, you're, you're loaded. You're loaded. You may have to beg for bread down there. You may have to borrow and you may have to try to scratch and claw to get by. He said, but I want you to know if you could only see on this side, if you could only see the ledger of heaven, you would realize that you are wealthy. He says, you are rich towards God. Listen, the early church had material poverty, but they had spiritual power. The modern church has material wealth, but spiritual poverty. They couldn't see what he could see. He said, oh, if y'all could only see up here, if you only saw what my Father has prepared for you, if you only saw that the rewards that you have laid up here, the treasures you have in heaven, and oh, listen tonight, uh, we need to understand that uh, there's another account uh, that we have, uh, not at the credit union, uh, not at the bank, but in heaven. Amen? And Jesus said, lay up treasures in heaven uh, where moth and dust uh, doth not corrupt and thieves uh, cannot enter in and and destroy and listen tonight he says I know you're well too I know you're well too the struggles I know what I was going to say about Bernie and them poverty listen God can only trust some people with money if, if some of if, if you understand and there's some people we shouldn't, as I said, it's not a sin to have money. It's a sin for money to have you. And there are certain people that God, uh, I mean, I could name names of, of places, but churches where God, there was men and went that, that God blessed them. Material. Even the church at Philippi. You know who, who helped start the church at Philippi? Where did they meet at? Lydia's house. Do you know how rare it was in those times for a lady to own her own house? She was a rich lady. And God used her. So here's what I'm saying. There's all God. And so we are, are those that uh, don't have this. We should not be angry or, or bitter. Or, but we should accept. Well, and I'm not saying just sit on our blessed assurance and do nothing. And, 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 not, and just say, well, I'm just poor. No, I think we ought to work. We ought to try to do the best we can. But the truth of the matter is, uh, listen, uh, no matter what, no matter where our allotment is in this life, we can all be rich in heaven. Amen. We can all be rich in heaven. The Savior is shown. Verse 10. I, I've got to hurry. I'm running out of gas. The lights come on. 30 miles till empty. Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. You shall tribula tribulation 10 days. 10 days. I want to see the struggles that were refining them. Listen to this. Struggles will not create faith, but they will reveal its presence or its absence. These, these troubles they were going through, these problems they were dealing with, Jesus is telling them here, He says, it's not in vain. It's for a purpose. It's for a reason. Macy, I believe it was, was telling me about her Sunday school this morning, how they're talking about Mary and Martha and Lazarus and how Lazarus died and how that, 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 
They couldn't understand why. And, and, and Martha said, if you'd only been here, he wouldn't have died. And, they, and she talked about that puzzle and how that, that, that you take one piece and put it together. But only the Lord knows what it's going to look like when it's all said and done. And let me tell you tonight, we don't understand all the pieces in life's puzzle. And let me say this, if it was up to me, there's some pieces I'd leave out in my life. There's some burdens I would never have carried. There's some problems I'd never, if it was up to me. But let me say, I'm not the one who's in control of my life. And he has got a reason and he has got a purpose for every struggle that we go through. He talks about the pressure. He said tribulation. Tribulation. They would use that word tribulum. They, they, you know, these Romans were wicked people. They'd, they'd lay in bed at night trying to think of ways to kill people. That's how evil they were. Kind of like these abortion doctors. Evil. <laughs> I'm just trying to see if I can get banned again. I want to say this to all our Facebook people. Abortion is wicked. Murder, it's evil. And if, you're in a, if, you commit abor- if you vote for abortion, you're just as wicked as these Roman soldiers that killed Jesus Christ. You're just as wicked. Are y'all hearing me on there? There we go. Mark Zuckerberg is going to be coming by here. That's fine. I got something that I, can sh- I, need, I need to share with him. But anyway. But that, this word tribulation comes from the word tribulum. They, they use this to describe one of their forms of torture. And what they would do is they would get two stones on, on axles that would turn. And they'd place them about that far apart. And they would begin turning them. And brother, brother, brother Aaron, they'd take a person and stick them between them two rocks and it would crush them alive. He said, that's what you're under. And let me say this. For these people, it was more than symbolic. It was real. It's like when Peter wrote there in 1 Peter, he talked about the fiery trials they were going through. It was not simply symbolic. It was literal fiery trials. Amen. Tribulum. They also used this. This is a, a method that the, the, the Romans would use in threshing grain. There would be one man who would stir up the sheaves and then there was another man who would ride over them with a cart and with rollers instead of wheels. And in those rollers would be stones and bits of iron and, they, and it would separate the husk from the grain. They, that cart was known as a tribulum. You see, this was not to destroy the grain but to bring the grain out. Tribulation, pressure in our life is not mean. It's not meant to bring the, bring the best inside of us out. The tribulation is meant to separate the bad from the good and to bring the best out of us. That's what I was trying to say. So listen to me tonight. Whatever our struggles are, we need to know that God has a reason for it. The pressure, he talked about the prison. He says, he says in verse 9, or verse 10, for fear none of these things, he said, they shall, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. Boy, that was a comforting word, wasn't it? Hey, some of y'all are going to jail. And by the way, this was way before three hots and a cot and cable TV and basketball courts and, you know what I'm saying? I seen the other day, they're saying that there's, people, there's too much trash on the uh, uh, wrote and, and that it is it's bad and, and they said that the, the jail the workforce was over overrun they couldn't keep up I wanted to say just let them work double shifts you know what I'm saying this is a time where when you said prison 
You know, there's people in our society that they go to prison on purpose. When it gets cold, hey, I'm going to do something illegal so I can go to jail. This, this, this is a different time. Their jails were not meant to be comfortable and, and, and humane and sterile and sanitary. These were some vet, were bad places. I mean, some bad places. And the Lord said, you're going to be in prison. Some of you. Now listen tonight, I don't know if we're, I'm going to see it in my life. I don't know. I'm not really worried about it. But I want you to know that, there, that, that, that we could apply that and, 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 and know that in, in the Christian life, there's times where, spiritually speaking, we feel locked up. Locked up. Bound up. You see, every year the Romans would come through and they would make these people say, Caesar is Lord. You see, Caesar's fame was at an all-time high. Jesus's was at an all-time low. And the reason Caesar didn't like Jesus because it threatened him. And Brother Dylan, they'd come by, the Romans, they'd go through these towns, and they'd go and everybody'd have to come out, and they'd have to bow their knee and say, Caesar is Lord. And if they said that, they'd receive a license or a, a piece of paper that they could buy, they could sell, they could trade, they could work. And at any time, if they were out in the street, if they were going to the market, if they were down by, you know, working or whatever, somebody, a Roman soldier could come by and say, show me your paper. And if they didn't have that paper that said, Caesar, Caesar is Lord, then they would take them and put them in jail. And they'd save them for the next games they had with the lions and, the, and all that. You say, well, that just seems so far off. Can you not see our, our country? It's, it's not Caesar is Lord. They want us to say that government is Lord. Oh, you're getting political or whatever, political, political. <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> political. I'm going to say it on purpose now. People say, well, preachers ought not to get political. Go tell Elijah that when he went to Ahab and Jezebel. Tell John the Baptist that. Tell Jesus that. But I want you to know this. I'll never. I'm not going to do it. I ain't going to say America's Lord or the government's Lord. I'm not going to bow my knee. I'm not going to bow my knee. I'm not. And listen, we can't bow our knee. And, they, and listen, as they turn up the pressure, and, and, and it's so, and, and, and people think it's wild to even think, but we're seeing it. We're seeing it. We're hearing it. There's these things that they're trying to come up with, and they, they make people have to bow down and surrender their God-given inalienable rights to a body of government. For them, they wanted them to bow their knee and say, Caesar is Lord. We'll obey Caesar. If Caesar says do it and God says don't do it, then we're going to do it. And tonight, that what, what the United States of America is trying to do is do it instead of saying that Caesar is Lord, they want to say America's Lord. It's already happening in Canada. They're arresting preachers for preaching against sodomy and, and all that stuff. And listen, if they, if they, what are we going to choose? Which side are we going to stand on? Whose side are we going to be on? I thought about when Moses had come off of the mountain and he said, who is on the Lord's side? 
If they can get rid of Dr. Seuss, if they think Dr. Seuss is hate, what do you think they think about this Bible? When it says, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. And it says, and the men were the men. That, that's talking about sodomy, by the way. What about the part where it says that God sent fire and brimstone and burned up Sodom and Gomorrah? Bro, Dad, what are we going to do? I know what you're going to do. I pray I do the same. When they say, y'all can't, can't preach that. What about this? What if they come up with a modern, and they're doing it all the time, translation, one of these gender neutral where God's not a he, he's an it, and, and, and where there's no, there's no the, 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 all the talk about husbands loving wives, and, and they take the word husband, the word wife, and they say, y'all can preach, y'all can have a Bible, but you got to use this Bible. And listen, I'm saying this. He says, he says you're going to go to prison. You're going to go to prison. There's going to be persecution though. He said in verse 10, and you shall have tribulation 10 days. 10, 10, 10 in the Bible is a number of testimony. The 10 commandments. It's, that's the, another word is testimonies. Over there in Psalms 119, first the Bible is testimony. Now listen, and, and I guess I'm just going to save some of this and preach it some other time because I really am about to give out. But what the devil means for evil, God can use for good. Amen. Noah was the tenth from Adam. There were ten main persecutions on the church by Rome. You can study it in church history. But this persecution, listen, was going to become their testimony now you may not know about the church of Smyrna but I guarantee you you've heard of the pastor of the church of Smyrna you don't know what his name was Polycarp now listen old Polycarp he was he was a different breed he didn't care what they're on. He would not bow. And they, and they, for years, they had tried to get him to say, and he wouldn't do it. And at 80, 86, 87 years old, they come to his house and they said, Polycarp, you've got to, we can't allow this. We like, you're a good man. You're an old man. There's no need for you to carry on. And he would not bend. He would not bow. He would not, I mean, he would not give in. And this happened around AD 156. You can look it up and study if you want to. But he was, and, and, and they come and they drug him out of his house and they said, we're going to take you down to the, to the magistrate's house, the, 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 the judge's house. And, and on the way there, the chief magistrate come by in his chariot and pulled him up in his chariot and got him in there. He said, listen, he said, all you have to do is offer a sacrifice to Caesar. And he said, I won't do it. And that magistrate kicked him out and they said that when he fell out of that chair, it scraped his knees and elbows. I mean, an 87-year-old man. And they said that he had blood running down his hands and his knees and they tied a rope around his neck and drug him behind. And they said that he wouldn't even wobble. He just stayed behind that. And they took him down to the, down to the huge uh, amphitheater the, the, where they had their entertainment at and where they had those games at. And they drug him out there into that amphitheater and they began to demand. They said, you must bow to Caesar. Now, you want to know the ones who were the biggest part in this part of killing him? You know who they were? They were Jewish, so-called Christians. Let me say this. We better be very careful. There's a reason the Bible says try the spirits. Everyone with a Bible under their arm and a steeple over their head is not of God. And listen to this. They, 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 I, I want to read. I don't want you to. They threatened to burn him. 
if he did not call Caesar Lord. And this is how he responded. The governor was there. There was hundreds of people there. And he said this, 86 years have I refused to call Caesar Lord. 86 years I have served Christ and he's never done me wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who has saved me? They said it was the Sabbath day on Saturday. And, and the, but the Jews, it's funny how these false religions, they make up rules, but they'll break the rules whenever they want to. It was, so on the Sabbath day, they started gathering up sticks, which is against their own rule book. And they began to build these sticks. And they took and they made it a cross. They made a cross and put it in the middle of those sticks. They give them another chance to recant. And he said, it is well. I fear not the fire that burns for a season, but after a while is quenched. He says, I, he says, why do you not fear the fire that burns forever? He says, why do you delay? Come and do your will. They said they had a cross in the middle. Of, I'm talking about the pastor at the church at Smyrna. And they, they drug him up to that cross or, or led him to that cross and, they, and the soldiers got out a hammer and nails. And this is what he said. He said, you don't need them. And they said he walked up, those, that up to and wrapped his arms. And he put his arms around the cross and he kissed it. Amen. And the people were standing by. And they didn't, they, 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 uh, they didn't know. They said, do you have any last words? He said, I want everyone to know that I'm a Christian. They said that when they lit the fire, listen... This is not some, this is from a secular historian. They said when the fire burned, it parted around him. He wouldn't burn. They said he never said a word, that he hung on to that cross in silence. And they said that he began, they said people that were there said that it was as if he was gold glistening in the fire. And they said that they stood by and finally, finally, they had, they, 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 he wouldn't die. He was just standing there. They took a spear and they pierced him in his side and he died. And let me say, his testimony is being shared tonight. You see, that's why we go through testings so we can have a testimony. The struggles that refine them. Tonight, there's more, but I'm just going to cut her off there and save it for another time. Collectively, collectively as a church, what are we going to do? This is what I really want to get to this part. Jesus had a word for them. He said this, be thou faithful unto death. He didn't say be successful. He said be faithful. He didn't say be popular. He said be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. And he said, if you're faithful unto death, he said, I'll give you a crown of life. You know what? When they killed old Polycarp, when he opened his head in heaven, there was a crown of life waiting on him. But did you know tonight that we can be faithful unto death too? Faithful. And he says, over you, the second death will have no power. You know, if you're born once, you die twice. If you're born twice... You die once. He says, they may can kill you, your body, but they can't kill your soul. So tonight, I want to be a part of this type of church, don't you? Faithful. Tried and true. In the, in the good times 
and in the hard times. Thank you.